0: Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women on life after 50 who are unafraid to age out loud. I'm your host, Katie Fogarty, and I'm back in the podcast booth after our July break. I put my toes in the sand, visited friends, spent time with family, threw parties, and drank oodles and oodles of rosé. And it was wonderful. But I'm delighted to be back in my happy place, hanging out with you all and spending time in the company of amazing women. We have a great lineup for August. All month long, we're talking summer fun and creative careers with a cadre of women who know what's what. And with six weeks until Labor Day, there is still plenty of time for summer fun, vacations, and weekend escapes. So I'm delighted to welcome travel expert and author, Pavia Rosati, to the show. Pavia is the CEO and founder of the award-winning editorial travel platform, Fathom and the co-author of an inspired new book, Travel North America and Avoid Being a Tourist, that will stoke your wanderlust while making you rethink how you travel and why. Welcome, Pavia. Thank you. I
1: wish we were on video so you could see the big smile I have on my face. That was
0: so nice. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so, so excited because it's been months and months of shelter in place, travel restrictions. I know everyone is itching to hit the road, you know, hop a plane. And I, I just want to hear um, all you have to share. Your book is so beautiful, but I wanted to thank uh, you. I wanted to kick off by asking you quickly about the title of your book. It says "Travel North America and Avoid Being a Tourist." What do you see as the difference between being a traveler and being a tourist? Well, first of all, that was
1: like the nicest way to possibly set up the fact that this is book two in a series. The first book is called "Travel Anywhere and Avoid Being a Tourist."
0: nice see what we're
1: going for here right
0: i love it yeah
1: yeah well so as you know the idea behind everything that we do not only in this book but everything at fathom is about trying to get under the skin of a place that we go to and that i if that sounds creepy, I don't mean it to. What I mean by that is you want to go someplace and really feel like you've been there and had a meaningful experience as opposed to, I had a checklist. I saw that top touristy thing that's maybe on everybody's list of the things you have to do when you're in this place. Um, And that's really more of a surface understanding of a place. So when we talk about traveling as a uh, traveler and not as a tourist, that's what we mean. We mean really spending time, slowing down, getting a little comfy, and really leaving a place with a nice understanding of what it's all about.
0: I love that. I I, th- I so agree. You know, I've had a chance to live abroad. I lived in Japan after college. And it was such a different experience to really uh put your roots down into a place to to see what it's like to to live there. And if you can kind of conjure up some of that magic when you're, you know, when you're on vacation where you feel, you know, connected versus just like you're passing through, it does make the the experience more special. So, what are, you know, what is the first sort of rule of thumb if you want to approach a vacation as a traveler rather than as a tourist? What, what kind of mindset shift do you need? Or what kind of um, things do you need to do?
1: Well, first of all, throw away the checklist and think I think you should have fewer expectations of what you're going to get out of your trip. What do I mean by that? I mean, if you're going to Italy for the first time, don't try to see the whole country in one trip. Because think about Italy like this and the experience of Italy. And I'm going to just use that as an example because la dolce vita, everything it conjures, everybody knows, right? So let's just use Italy as shorthand for I want to have an incredible trip. Yes. Let's say you go to Italy and what do most Americans have? We have about a week to 10 days when we travel. If we're lucky, a couple of weeks. But look, we're not French, right? We don't get five weeks off every year. We have limited time that we can spend. So we have to budget our vacations really carefully. So let's assume we have a week off with the weekends. We have 10 days in Italy. You could say, all right, I'm going to go to Rome for two days. I'm going to go to the Amalfi Coast for two days. I'm going to go to Florence for two days. I'm going to go to Venice for two days. I'm going to go to the lakes for two days. And I'm going to stay in a Tuscan villa for two days. And I don't know. I think I've probably exceeded (laughs) my quota of days there,
0: right? Plus, I'm exhausted. Whoa, that's a list,
1: right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Imagine instead. So listen, it's great, right? Because you will have, you'll give the Statue of David a high five in Florence. You will see um, the Sistine Chapel in Rome. You'll ride a gondola in Venice. But imagine instead if you went to Rome for five days and then you went to a house in a village in Umbria, an hour from Rome, for five days instead. Heaven. Well, by day, think about this by day three of your time in the small village, the person at the cafe that you go to every morning for your cappuccino standing at the bar, maybe they've gotten to know you. Maybe they want to know how your family back home is doing. You You can feel like you're really part of village life in a couple of days in a way that you couldn't if you're just breezing through. And then imagine a year later when you're home and you're talking about your trip to Italy, You won't, yeah, like it's not that exciting to say I gave David a high five, but think about, oh, and then, oh, honey, do you remember Marcella? She knew our coffee order by the second day that we were there. It was so great to have a place that we went every morning. We really felt we were part of that town. That's just one example of a way of thinking about the kind of vacation that you want to have and how if you slow down, don't try to do it all. You'll end up probably having a really richer experience.
0: Absolutely, and when, when you said Italy too, I, I'm just like remembering a trip that we took several years ago, and the kids were young, and we did stay at a villa, and we, you know, we would play, um, you know, by the pool, and we would hang out, and we would smell like the big shrubs of like lemon and and uh, rosemary, and all the wonderful sensations. And it was just like relaxing to be there and like sort of pretend it was our home. I, I felt, it just fell in love with that country and would love to go back. And Italy is just magic if you do allow yourself to, you know, slow down and soak it all in.
1: Pavia, I want to- Well, the other, yeah, sorry. Me. The other thing I want to add is, guess what? What? Italy's always going to be there. You can always go back.
0: Yes. Yes, except for you know, the pandemic has made it so hard to travel, and so Italy feels like a dream that I long for at this point. But your book focuses on North America. Did you focus on destinations closer to home because of the pandemic, or was this an area of the world that you always wanted to explore?
1: Well, it was. Let's just say it was a nice coincidence, right? When we first started thinking about what our second book was going to be. The pandemic was really just getting started. And I think we had a different concept for a travel trend. But um, when we started working on this, again, super early on, the things that it was, uh, I don't know, um, my co-author, Gerilyn and I, we kind of, she has a different memory of the phone call. She's right, by the way. I'm sure that I'm wrong (laughs) because she has a better memory than I do. Um, But I remember the publisher saying, hey, it'd be fun to do a series based on geography, let's start with your home country first. So I think that that was really it, which means, inshallah, if everything goes really well, then it would be wonderful if then if my bookshelf at some point could have travel Europe and avoid being a tourist, travel South America and avoid being a tourist, travel Africa and avoid being a tourist. Um, TBD, you never know where life is going to lead you. But it ended up being really fortuitous timing to write about this book during the pandemic because everyone is staying close to home. And by the way, that trend of Americans traveling in America and Mexicans traveling in Mexico, that's what's happening all over the world. My friends who have hotels in Italy say, oh my goodness, we've discovered Italians in the summertime. And (laughs) I'm hearing the same, you know, I'm in London right now, the English are discovering England. Sure. So this trend is really playing itself out all over the world um, of people discovering what's in their own backyard.
0: I love that. We actually took our family um, up to... um ski in Lake Placid over the winter break, because it's in New York State. And we were able to travel within our state without having to incur, you know, the um sort of five day quarantine things that happened when you would cross a border. So we, you know, used to go to Vermont, and we literally chose to remain in New York, because it, it was something that was an option to us during the pandemic. So you're right, like, we are discovering our own, our own backyard. And it's, We have a beautiful backyard and your book really captures it. It's gorgeous. It's full of stunning pictures. You know, it's all the locations, the inns, the scenery, you know, which we expect in a travel book. But your book is special because it's really full of super fun sidebars, quirky content, you know, content that makes you think. You have a, well, thank you. Yes, you have a section called "Hobbies in the Wild," and uh, spa treatments are listed as the woo-woo ways. And you, you have <laughs> chapters on like choosing your travel companions, conscious travel, travel that gives back. I want to dive into some of these more you know, during the show, but I, I do want to hear a little stage setting. Like, how is your book uh, different from a typical travel guide, and why was it important to take a fresh approach?
1: Well, Katie, we take a fresh approach to travel with everything we do at Fathom. It's
0: just our way.
1: Um, Listen, joking aside, the typical guidebook, which is maybe, first of all, how do you do North America in one book, right? It's, you're talking about an encyclopedia. So we... Maybe a traditional guidebook, if I think about a Lonely Planet guidebook or a photo's guidebook, will have the city, it'll give you the history, um, it'll tell you these are hotels, restaurants, shops, things to do, right? And frankly, there are bookstores full of those books. There is an internet full of these things, um, our own website included. Um, and so nobody needed that kind of a guidebook anymore. We were looking instead at how would we tell the story of travel around North America? And partly, I mean, everything that we do at Fathom, I am serious about this, is tries to be super realistic about the way that people actually travel, right? We don't write based on trends because travelers don't make their travel choices based on trends, right? So you don't go someplace just because it's new. You go someplace because it's awesome and you want to experience it. So in designing this book, we thought and we were like, okay, what do we think about when we plan our trips? What excites us? And that's how we came up with the framework for this book.
0: I I love that. I love the fact that you talk about what excites you, because that's why we're going on vacation, right? To tap into whatever it is that we are into. Your book talks about nature as a travel muse. I want to explore that with you. But first, we're going to take a very quick break. Summer fun equals sun. Want to make sure the sun looks good on you? Meet Soleil Toujours. More than a sunscreen, Soleil Toujours offers luxurious coral reef safe, non-toxic formulas with all mineral UV protection, which moisturize and nourish your skin. Potent antioxidants, vitamins, and botanicals pamper and protect you. It's skincare for sun. I stock my beach bag with their clean, conscious, antioxidant sunscreen mist and their divine Mineral Alley Hydra Lip Mask. Each makes me feel protected and polished during summer and beyond. Make protection from the sun's harmful rays a daily routine, not just a beach day consideration. Wanna let the sun shine in? Soleil Toujours has a sun-kissed offer for a certain age listeners. You get 20% off anything with code KD20 at checkout. That's K-A-T-I-E-20. Keep the beauty you were born with. Head to Soleil Toujours, that's S-O-L-E-I-L-T-O-U-J-O-U-R-S for luxurious all-mineral sun care. Beauties, the sun looks good on you. Okay, Pavia, we're back. I want to explore a little bit more about this notion of nature as a travel muse. Walk us through the ideas in that chapter.
1: Well, we're turning the page to chapter five. It's called Follow Nature's Lead. The idea behind this chapter was if you do want to take nature as your starting point for inspiration, what can you do and where can you go? And so we divided the book according to the four seasons. So what does that mean? It means you can, um, go to see wildflowers in the Mojave Desert in the spring, or you can, um, See the wildflowers um, in Texas, hill country also in the spring. Summertime, um, there's a chili season, chili peppers, hatch chili season in New Mexico is something that we highlight. Um, fireflies in Mexico that just explode all over the sky. Um, autumn brings uh wine country in Ontario. I know wine country in Canada. And not just the ice wine that everybody may well, that some people may know about, but you can also find terrific Pinot Noirs and Chardonnay. Um, leaf peeping, you'll, we all go to Vermont, but Michigan, the Upper Peninsula, also has terrific leaf peeping. And then winter, it's just like, where can you go see the ice sculptures and the frozen waterfalls in Alaska and the ice columns in Vale, Colorado, right? Um So that is one aspect of a chapter. Another aspect of the chapter, we have about a dozen hotels where you can stay and feel especially close to nature. Um, And then another chapter that we have here is if you want to follow animals, because everybody loves animals, uh, where to go to see polar bears, where to see Pacific gray whales, where to go see butterflies, where to go to see birds, um, walruses, wild horses. Uh, These are all things that can inspire your trip.
0: I, I love that that organizing principle that you can sort of follow your your interests, either it be animals or nature or, you know, sort of under the radar finds that you have. You also have a chapter with a very unusual title caught my eye. It says the land that time forgot. And I was like, what's that all about? This chapter is amazing. Please tell our listeners a little bit more about this.
1: Um, That's really nice of you to say. So the land that time forgot was inspired by my first time visiting Utah. Okay. Anybody who's never been to Utah, stop what you're doing right now and plan a trip to Utah. Utah is amazing. Stunning. And full of Oh my goodness. Full of natural wonders. I mean, Zion, arches, Canyonland. Amazing.
0: And this is summertime f- travel, right, for Utah? Because of- no,
1: Well, no, because, you, you know, Utah is appealing at all times of the year. So I went in early March, and on the first day hiking, the guide pointed – we were super high up, and the guide pointed to something in the beautiful red rock formation, and he said, oh, look, it's a fish skeleton. And I was like, dude, what? Fish <laughs> skeleton? Look how high up we are. And he explained to me that millions of years ago an ocean ran from – the Arctic down and emptied out. It ran from Canada through the middle of what is now the continental U.S. and emptied into the Gulf of Mexico. So this old ocean, if we could see it on a map today, it would be bookended by the Appalachians on the East Coast and the Rocky Mountains on the West Coast. Wild. Okay, Katie, this blew my mind. Because if you think about all the stuff that we look at, right, Bryce Canyon, those weird hoodoos and those rock Formations, you're essentially looking at the bottom of an ocean floor. It's amazing. If we emptied out the ocean, we would see all kinds of interesting, weird crags and mountains and all sorts of things. And this is what we see now. So, this chapter was inspired by that hike. And the point of this chapter is where can we go in North America to see what things were like millions and millions of years ago?
0: Oh my God. I love that. I I just love that whole idea that you're, it's like almost like time traveling.
1: It is kind of like time traveling, right? And so, you know, nature was here before humans were, but then we also have, so, so if we're looking at the stuff that nature built, it's, you know, we're talking about millions of years. If we're talking about when humans came to North America, we're talking about tens of thousands of years and the places that you can go, some of which are pretty unexpected where you can see old remains of the earliest um, humans who inhabited North America,
0: so wild, so wild um, where where would you go in America right now if for you know for people who are you know listening to this in August and thinking, I want to carve out some of this summer fun like would it be would it be Utah would it be Bryce or if you know where would you pick that to recommend people go for sort of to be blown away by nature or maybe for people who want like the old-fashioned Americana kind of family fun?
1: okay, let's split this east Coast west coast. I think if I was on the East Coast, I would head to the Chesapeake and maybe go to St. Michael's, a terrific little island, um, not just because I would really like to eat a diet of crab cakes for a week, but that would just be a nice added bonus. <laughs> yeah. Um, th- another thing that's stunning is um, Skyline Drive and going down to the Blue Ridge Mountains uh, in Virginia and down into North Carolina, absolutely beautiful. I, you know, I went to college close to wash or whether I went to college in Washington, DC. And anytime I needed a break, I would borrow my friend's car and just drive skyline drive by myself. It's so beautiful Fabulous. on the west coast. Oh my goodness. I can't tell you how desperate I am to get to Montana. Yes. I just want to go to Montana, big sky, lots of stars. Um, Nature at its wildest and most beautiful. So I would go to Montana. It's probably a little too hot to go down to White Sands in Texas, um, but as it starts to cool off, I'd absolutely go there.
0: So, what is White Sands in Texas? I'm not familiar with that that spot.
1: It's it's one of the millions of parks that don't get enough credit in the country, um, and it's awesome. And it's beautiful, and you know, that's it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to. You mentioned at the sort of the top of the show that people have this checklist, and so that everyone's heading to the same spots, and you know, taking the same Instagram photos, and opening up your book and seeing all of these different ideas and all of these different places. It got me really excited. Another thing I loved about this book is that you approach chapters that help uh, you think through how you can make your whole experience better. You talk about, you know, choosing your travel companions and and what what is conscious travel and travel that gives back. Walk us through choosing your travel companions. Obviously, you're taking yourself, so (laughs) that's one of your companions. How do you navigate a group trip? How do you navigate a family trip where people might have different competing interests?
1: So... This chapter is called The Company You Keep, and the basic premise is every trip you're going to take, you're either traveling for work or pleasure, and you're going by yourself with a loved one or with other people, meaning and that other people could be a multi-generational family, it can be girlfriends, it could be a reunion, it can be a big birthday party. So every trip you take is going to be a variation of that. So we break it down and we give you recommendations for places that you can go by yourself and reasons for traveling alone. You are getting over a heartbreak. You want to celebrate uh, an occasion in your life. You just need some quiet time on your own. All really good reasons to tell the people who you love at home, I love you, but I need to go away for you (laughs) for a while. Um, When you travel with um, a honey and you want, you know, romance on the agenda. And I'm not talking about like rose petals on the bed, but just you want a place where you can really focus on each other. We have a bunch of those places also. And then we also have ideas for traveling in a group, whether that group is a multi-generational family trip, whether it is a uh, bachelor or bachelorette party, if I mean people still do those, right? Yeah, people still definitely do those. Um, and then we also have, you know, suggestions for how to travel with people, and specifically um, how to travel in a group without being a jerk.
0: Well, so tell me about that. That sounds important. (laughs) I want to make sure I'm not a jerk.
1: Traveling in a group without being a jerk is the golden rule of traveling with people. When you're traveling in a group, there's often one person who ends up doing too much of the heavy lifting. This is the person who maybe finds the hotel or finds the place, figures out how everybody's going to get there, makes all the arrangements. Too often, everybody else ignores that they owe her money. They have to Venmo her for the room. Also, by the way, sadly and tragically, it's usually a her. Mm. And... One person, and and this is the person who on the day that everybody's supposed to get there, gets a million text messages. Where's my car? Where am I supposed to be? Wait, where are we all (laughs) meeting? I mean, you're laughing, but you know, it's true, right? Yes, I know. Groups are hard. Groups are hard. Well, but this is just a reminder when you are going on a group trip to set it up properly early. If you are that girl And some people are just the control freaks who want to be that girl. I'm often that person, right? Right. If you are that person and you don't want to get angry that you're doing all the heavy lifting, decide early on, you know what? I'm going to assign Katie to find the restaurants. I'm going to assign um, Damon to figure out the water, uh, the water skiing that we're going to do. Assign everybody a task so that everybody can feel like they're part of the trip.
0: Makes so much sense.
1: Well, and also think about this, right? If you are on this trip, um, be proactive. Call up the person in charge and say, hey, uh, Becky, how can I help you? How can I help you so that you're not doing all the work on this trip? So anyway, this is just a reminder of that.
0: Yeah, I love that because traveling is it's about seeing the location, the scenery, but it's about um, enjoying yourself with the company that you're keeping, either you know your, your own company or that of your family or your friends. And we actually did a little bit of that when we were in Italy, like I was saying, where we had the kids decide and do some research beforehand about things they wanted to do and that they were excited about. So it wasn't like they were just being dragged around by, you know, mom and dad to do the things that mom and dad thought were cool. You know, we... That- Yep. Sorry. That is
1: so important. And this is a trend that we applaud and that we encourage. Get the kids involved, even the little kids. Get them to plan some of the things that they want to do. If it's a museum, how many museums just have so much of their collection online so the kids can get a sense of what they want to see? And then when they actually do see that dinosaur or that painting that they loved, they'll be extra excited.
0: Yeah, that's so smart. Yeah. I love that. That's so smart. And we we did, um, and I, I would also say be open to things. Like I do remember we did a family pizza making. I cannot remember which one of my kids voted for this. And my husband and I like, you know, did sort of like an internal eye roll. Like that sounds a little cheesy, you know, no pun intended with the pizza, but it was an <laughs> absolute blast. I mean, it was so much more fun than I ever would have expected. And the kids adored it, which is probably part of the reason why we really enjoyed it. And it was fun. You know, it was super fun to do. And, um, That would not have been on our screen had we not been open to hearing from our travel companions, our three children, about what they were into. Um, Pavia, I'm curious, speaking of, like, you know, opening your mind, has your approach to travel changed as you've aged? Because you've been doing this for a while. I mean, when did you launch Fathom? You've been a lifelong traveler, but when did Fathom launch? And as you've gotten older, because I know you're approaching, I think you're 50, am I right? Yes. Uh, How has your approach to travel changed? Or has it?
1: It hasn't. No, it hasn't. Um, maybe I'm a little more professional about it. I mean, I ask different questions when I check out a hotel. If I know that I have to write an article about the hotel, then if my only concern was, do I want to sleep here? Um, but in terms of the places I'm attracted to and the things that I like, it's all the same. I mean, when I was 20 years old and backpacking broke around Europe for six weeks, I would check out a cool hotel in an emerging neighborhood, but I'd, you know, I'd sit in the lobby and if anybody looked askance at my filthy clothes and my stringy hair, um, I wouldn't, I'd just say, "Uh, I'm waiting for my mom or maybe if I was feeling (laughs) flush, I, you know, I'd splurge for a cappuccino or something like that. Um, Now that I'm older, I can, like, those are the places that I stay in. Right. But I'm still drawn to the same types of experiences and, meals and neighborhoods that I've always been drawn to
0: and what are those
1: I like emerging neighborhoods I like um you know neighborhoods that are up and coming where there's cool galleries and interesting boutiques and small restaurants I've always liked those um small boutique indie local it's kind of funny these things have all become such industry cliches that I just feel like I'm reading from um some marketing textbook right now. But that's really, like, that's what we built Fathom. That's what Geraldine and I built Fathom to be um, a reflection of those things that we were drawn to.
0: Yeah. I Fathom is such a stunning website. And I, I, I feel like Thank I'm you. drawn to indie small, you know, emerging as well. And I don't like, like, I've never been on a cruise. I, you know, I don't like big corporate hotels. That's, you know, a five-star type of big, you know, resorts are not are not my jam. So I feel like I need to be traveling with you. So tell me what's on Call your Tell me anytime. <laughs> tell me what's on your summer, summer travel bucket list. Uh cuz I promise not to be a jerk if I wind up there with you.
1: <laughs> well, listen, I'd be happy to have you close by. Um this is tricky because I have been in London since December so I'm incredibly limited by what I can and cannot do, because not every country that I would want to go to wants me from England to be showing up
0: okay so this would pandemics. be a very
1: different question yeah, this would be a very different question if I was living in the United States, but the reason why I mention this is because this is an important thing for everybody who is traveling pretty much for the next year to keep in mind. Rules are changing, things are shifting, and you need to be absolutely flexible about your travel plans because a flight might get canceled last minute and you might not arrive in the morning someplace but at night you might not you know you might have to quarantine when you go somewhere um god forbid the delta variant shuts things back down if you had a safari booked for this december you might have to punt it to the following year this is just i just want everybody Let's go through our travels the way that we're going through life with a little grace, with a little understanding, with flexibility.
0: Flexibility is so key. That's something that we've all learned, and and I feel like we've had uh, trips canceled. My son was supposed to be in the Galapagos for a you know a junior year of high school trip. Now he's heading off to college. Like you know a year and a half has passed, and he's not doing that trip. It it, it ended. We we lost um, the opportunity to do a very big family uh, reunion. A hundred of us were going to the Sagamore, um, and that didn't happen. It got moved twice, and it's disappointing. But we yeah. are know, doing what we can. I think the flexibility um, is something that we all need to bake into not just our travels, but how we live our life. So if you, if the world were your oyster and borders were open from your London um, perch, where would you be spending your two to three weeks?
1: Oh, I mean, you know how f- how many places I want to go to? Can we just make <laughs> these two to three weeks extra long? So First, um, I would go back to my magic happy place on the Amalfi Coast because I go there every year, at least once a year. And it's been two years since I've been. And that's just a really long time. I really want to go to Montenegro. Um, I want to go to Paris for a couple of days. It's been a couple of years since I've been to Paris. And my best friend lives in Paris. And, well, she spent the pandemic in Bombay and she'll be in Paris. I really want to go and spend a couple of days with her. Um, If I could go back to the United States and spend a long time, I would go to the central coast of California. I'm really curious about the Cambria area in the country, Um, Montana, as I said. Um, I've given you too many places. No, this is really, this is way more than a couple of weeks. Also, a couple of years ago, I had a magical trip planned to Norway to see the fjords in the summertime and was turned away at the airport because even travel experts sometimes are idiots about their passport. um, (laughs) And I'm desperate to redo that trip.
0: Oh my gosh, that is such a bummer. I would love to do that too. This is actually so perfect. I'm taking mental notes because I want to go to all the places that you just outlined. But I um, am resurrecting something that I used to do um, during my first season. I did it on my uh, opening show or two, and it's called a speed round. And this is such a nice segue into that speed round. So I'm hoping you're going to participate and do it with me. Uh, Happy. Happy to. Perfect. Okay, so... A place you've never been that you would want to go to? um, Tanzania. Tanzania. Okay. Uh, My daughter, by the way, spent part of her gap year there and adored it. Okay. A place you never want to go back to?
1: Ah, uh, Dubai. <laughs> Tied with Cyprus, which was, Ooh. I mean, I knew Dubai would be lame, but Cyprus was disappointing and lame.
0: Okay, that's no good. We, um, so, two strikes. Cyprus is out. What's touristy but terrific?
1: The Vatican.
0: Oh my gosh. I agree. The Same- Vatican say, just going into St. Peter's, I was blown away by the scale of this building. It's astonishing that human hands made it.
1: Do you want to know the hack for how to get around? I know this is the speed round and I'm going to give you a paragraph as opposed to one word. Um, The hack for the Vatican, you get your tickets, get an early morning ticket. You don't have to pay, you don't have to pay all the extra money to get in before the crowds, but you go in with the early morning tickets you get your tickets online so you don't have to wait in line or you get your tickets Mm. online as in the internet so you don't have to stand online in real life right smart as soon as you get in you make a beeline for the Sistine Chapel because as everybody is working their way through the beautiful Egyptian and ancient Roman galleries they haven't yet gotten to see the Raphaels and they haven't yet gotten to see the Sistine Chapel so you go there first and you have it all to yourself and then you work your way
0: back that is a paragraph worth listening to, because when we wended our way all the way through and made it to the Sistine Chapel, my five year old like threw his arms around my knees and said, "I want to leave." He yeah was like, oh. And I'm like, this is what we came for. You know, he was we burnt him out. We shouldn't have done that right away. That so is, you
1: so you do
0: the best part first, yeah, so smart, yeah. so smart. okay, And then
1: the little kids will be excited about the mummies at the end.
0: Of course. That's right. Yeah. That, that, that keeps them awake. So, Pavia, what should you always pack? Curiosity and an open mind. Okay. I like that one. Very good. What should you never pack? Too much. Too much stuff. All right. Expensive luggage. Yes or no? Hell No. <laughs> We're doing the backpacks, right? Okay. Listen,
1: wait a second. Quality luggage, yes. Expensive luggage, just because it's expensive, no. So you don't want to buy like a $20 piece of garbage that's going to um, fall apart investing in a piece of to me luggage for a couple hundred bucks, that thing is going to stay with you forever, but nothing overly precious, right? Your luggage is your workhorse. Yes. You want something, I mean, you know, you kind of want it to be like a car. If you buy a junky car, it's not going to serve you well. You want a quality car. You'll spend money on a Volvo, on a Toyota, um, that will last you and stay with you for years and years.
0: Right. But but nothing that you're afraid to park. So that makes so much nothing sense. Nothing
1: that you're afraid to park. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Cure for jet lag. This is my last one. Cure for jet lag. We're going to end on a high note because everybody needs this.
1: Power through and caffeine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Poppy. this was so much fun. I am like literally going to go home, open your book, point, just like blindly open it, put my finger on something, and then commit to getting there in the next year because your book is full of amazing places. No matter where your finger lands, you're going to have an amazing experience and, and just sort of be um, setting yourself up to, to, to really enjoy our own backyard because we have a very beautiful backyard. Well, that's
1: so nice of you to say. Thank you so much. That means a lot.
0: I love this book. I loved it. I, I, I can't say enough good things about it. Pavia, how can our listeners find the book and find you and find Fathom and all of your wonderful travel tips?
1: Well, thank you for asking. The book is Travel North America and Avoid Being a Tourist. It is everywhere fine books are sold. Um, if your bookstore doesn't carry, the, carry it, please ask them to. Uh, you can find us on Fathom. We are continually publishing incredible travel stories from interesting travelers all over the world. And that's at FathomAway.com. F-A-T-H-O-M-A-W-A-Y.com. Um, we are on Instagram at Fathom Way To Go. And we would love to see where you've traveled. And we always encourage people to tag their photos, travel with Fathom so we can see where they've been.
0: I love it. Javier, thank you. This wraps A Certain Age, a show for women over 50 who are aging without apology. Join me next week when I sit down with podcasting powerhouse Zibby Owens, the host of the mega popular podcast Moms Don't Have Time to Read. She gives us the 411 on summer books not to miss and so much more. Special thanks to Michael Mancini who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time. And until then, age boldly, beauties.